Welcome to Women Thriving Unapologetically with Lindsay McCowan. Over the next hour, you will hear raw, honest, and inspiring conversation between Lindsay and her guests, discussing how to thrive, live joyfully, and abundantly in spite of life's challenges. Now, here is your host, Lindsay McCowan. Welcome, everyone, to Women Thriving Unapologetically. I'm your host, Lindsay McCowan, and we are here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. And as always, I have another amazing guest. But before I introduce her, we're going to do what we always do. We're going to just drop in and connect. So wherever you are, if it's safe, you're not driving, you can close your eyes. You can do this standing, seated, or even lying down. And just take a moment here to feel into your body. Noticing how you've landed in this very precious body in this unique moment in time. And then just begin to deepen your breath. Take five deep, full breaths. Perhaps bringing that breath all the way down into the belly. And consider what would it be like if you could manage energy of your body, the way that you feel. Manage the energy of your thoughts and your emotions. What if you had that power to do so? Another breath in, another breath out. And you can stay here as long as you like, but if you're ready, you can come back to us so that we can invite in this very, very precious being Brooke Sullivan, to help us understand what Tantra is, Tantra yoga, Tantra, Tantric herbalism, and so that we can learn how we can be masterful with our energy, our time, and our precious resources. And so Brooke is a 500-hour yoga teacher. She is a yoga therapist and initiate of the Himalayan Institute of Yoga Science and Philosophy. She's a certified Tantric herbalist, certified Bach and FES Flower Essence Practitioner and Director of the Wild Temple School of Yoga and Herbal Wisdom. Now, she has taught all over the place, including Yoga International, Kripalu Yoga and Meditation Center, the Southeast Women's Herbal Conference and World Fest, and that's just to name a few. And so, and I love that she is also one of the co-founders of her festival because that is where I met her and fell in love with her. So, I am excited to have her here because she not only does all of these things, but she professionally mentors women or people to become the best versions of themselves, not just in their body, but also in the world, because it's her firm opinion that when people are living their best, most authentic versions of themselves, this is the way that we bring this beautiful world back into balance. So welcome, Brooke. I'm so happy you are here today. <laughs> Thank you, Lindsay. Wow. <laughs> I know you're, but you have such a rich bio and you have been studying for such a long time and it's so difficult to bring it all in, in a short intro. So we would definitely like give people a place to land where they can learn more about you at the end of the show, because it's just, I feel like I could tell, just go on and on about you for the full length of the show. But we do want to get into this topic of, of Tantra and, um, you know, I was telling Brooke earlier before in the in the Facebook live because we go live and women thriving unapologetically Facebook group while we're doing the live uh, radio show so that our members can watch and listen behind the scenes and we were talking us sharing with her that 
you know, there's a tendency um, to this not understand what Tantra really is. And I've been shying away from sharing um, my passion for it for a while and feeling into why that is. So let's just start with the basics, like what is Tantra and what isn't it? Yeah, and why it, why we need to almost reclaim this word so that it can be um, another tool that we have for humanity in dealing with climate crisis and polarization and, uh, you know, really the fragmentation of our uh, healthful structures. It's really valuable. And um, one of the things that I'm noticing is that uh, I love etymology. And so I kind of went down this really nerdy path of how Tantra is an occult science. It's not a cult. It's an occult science. And what that means is occult just means hidden. Occult and cult have two totally different, very similar, but different root words. And, and so we're not, we're not in a cult when we're practicing Tantra, unless you are, I'm sure, you know, there are definitely cults. <laughs> um, but what I love about the Himalayan tradition that, that I come from is that it's really so broad. It's, it's how the practitioners of all of these different areas, namely India, but also uh, Japan, China, you know, there's Buddhist Tantra, there's even Japanese Tantra. All of these kind of methodologies and systems have worked through people in a manner that has helped them adapt to the times. And so when we look at what Tantra is, just etymologically, it Tan, T-A-N, means to expand. And then Tra has a couple definitions. One is beyond one's limitations. So it's it's helping us expand beyond the limitations of, say, the boxed-in culture that we find ourselves living in, right? How can we break the rules wisely or create new paradigms if we're boxed? So Tantra can help with that. Um, but then the other aspect of that Tra is protection. So we do so in a way that's safe. And I love this. This is a big thing that I lean on personally with the tantric practices, because there are a lot of tools and practices out there that are just um, kind of unwieldy. They're not safe because they haven't been time tested. They haven't been really put through the ringer to, to make sure there's not, you know, some really negative side effects along the way. And our tradition comes from thousands and thousands of years of practice, practitioner to student from the, the embodied experience and the hearts and the hands into the student adapting through the times, but also through many different cultures of people. And so it's not a cult necessarily, but it has been occulted. It has been hidden or eclipsed due to its esoteric nature. And so that's kind of why I wanted to have this show with you or talk with you, um, because I really believe that if we could understand in a mainstream way how Tantra Yoga benefits us, it can really meet the different kinds of minds that are really skeptical about these kind of practices. And yeah, I think I'll just pause here because I, I will say that I have joined the that side of things with the skeptical as much as I have equally jumped into the esoteric magical feeling the power and beauty because I'm, I'm really tapped into the subtle realms um, and I can explain what that means too 
but, but yeah, I feel it has a place and, you know, for women thriving unapologetically, we need to reclaim the word Tantra and <laughs> just educate people really. <laughs> yeah. And I think there needs to be a re-education around it because there's a lot of stigma around it. And, um, but also the fact that there is, um, there was one thing that you said about how like, you no know, tra is this this protective creates this protection for us as we dive deeper into revealing the true nature of who we are and how we can step more fully into the world. And I think that's so important, especially as women who want to step in again, like, and, and move through some of the patriarchal conditioning, because it can be a very scary thing to do. And these practices um, don't keep us from harm necessarily, but they can actually help protect our, protect our mind in a way that's really powerful. And also, one of the definitions of tra that I love is liberate, like this mm-hmm. sense of freedom that we can, once we start to really open up to those divine feminine aspects, we can sense this, a sense of freedom. And at least this has been my experience because the more that I've been coming around with through Tantra as more of a sacred feminine practice that I'm feeling like this part of myself become more and more and more liberated. I was feeling that way before I even understood Tantra as being more of a, a feminine practice. And we may or may not have time to go into that. But when I really started to open up to that, there was more liberation that happened and a sense of more courage coming forward, more resilience, less fear to step in more fully. So oh, I love that so much. And maybe we should address that just a little bit. Like, you know, the the parts of you that have been hidden or occulted were then released through the through these beautiful tantric practices or really the formulas. You know, one of the other definitions of tantra is just technique. It's a formula that works whether or not you believe in it. You know, you have this A plus B equals C. You do the thing and then all of a sudden you realize, ooh, I've been hiding aspects of myself and that does not feel good. And so here I'm in this safe place to explore what are the aspects in me that are hidden that I'm not even seeing, can't honor, and it's creating suffering. And so for you, it was divine feminine. You know, for other people, it's uh, a broken childhood, right? Or a very traumatic event or, um, you know, dominant culture. Uh, And we use the term patriarchy. I'm starting to use the word dominant culture. It just, it feels good. Um, Because I really believe that there is, you know, there's definitely this lack of feminine awareness meaning the qualities of the feminine being uh, receptive, connecting, uh, community-oriented. Like we do need to go towards these um, uh, ways of being to thrive. And our dominant culture does the opposite. It's separating, it's disempowering, it's othering. It's, uh, it leans hard on that egoic tendency of greater than, less than. You know, like I'm greater than you, you're less than me, so I can <laughs> do this thing where I have more money than you, you know. So I think that the, um, you know, this reclamation of the word Tantra and really bringing it into mainstream is going to help marginalized communities and anyone who has felt suppressed, whatever um, whatever sexual identity or orientation you are or whatever cultural identity you have, it, it can benefit you. Thank you for uh, bringing that in. I think that's so important to to say that it's for everyone. It really is about bringing forward any parts of ourselves that has been pushed down or oppressed or neglected or just forgotten. And 
And I also love what you mentioned that it's for, uh, it can feed those aspects of us that are more mystical and spiritual, but also for the analytical intellectual, because I have a little bit of both. And I, I'm like you, I can totally geek out and just like read things. And I love how it just marries with so much neuroscience and so much, it's like the Western science is starting to catch up to the Tantra (laughs) and philosophy. And it's just beautiful to see that. And then the practices actually make you feel a particular way. So you have both of that, which I think is just a beautiful combination where it builds for me, it's built more faith in the practice. Mm. Oh, I love, there it is. Yeah. The being able to trust it, right. Trust that it'll work for you when you need it. And that's also what led me to this discussion to our particular discussion and really these topics. Um, Do you mind if I share a little story here? I would love for you to share a story. (laughs) Okay. So I'll just say, you know, when the world was being hit hard in 2020 on every level and, you know, that, that beautiful analogy of 2020, being able to see more clearly, like that's really what was happening. We were waking up and I would throw in an F-bomb here, you know, we were waking up in a very deep way as to how dominant culture and our own habits really have prevented us from thriving unapologetically (laughs) and, you know, and being our our most connected, beautiful, supportive, community-oriented people like we need to be as a human race and with our planet. Um, So when that happened, I was leading, I lead apprenticeships called the Sage Apprenticeship, and I was closing off one group and about to start another. And I bring them outside, just like the forest yogi. So we sit them outside and we start our practices there under the canopy of trees. And I didn't realize I got a bit by a tick. So we're also in panic mode, you know, because that's the time when the news was like, get all your toilet paper, <laughs> you know, do all this, the, world, the world's going to shut down. There's this crazy pandemic going on. And so we weren't really necessarily, my husband, he did the toilet paper thing. I thought that was hilarious. But um, I was instead like, okay, I went into survival mode of, let me make sure I have buckets of grain and sugar <laughs> and beans, just in case the, you know, the structure runs out of food, I'll at least have my staples. So here we have this heightened collective fear, right? And then I had my biggest fear happen. That was very secret. I got bit by a tick. I didn't realize it. And I'm in this like almost Petri dish of, you know, you as a yoga teacher, you're with people very close in these rooms and they're sweating, they're breathing on you. And everyone had been getting really sick, like really sick. There was this thing that was going around that was lasting three weeks. It was, they were not able to explain it. I'm talking like my students at the time. And um, I think it could have been COVID or something like a SARS virus, whatever it was. I wound up catching both. I caught that and I started to get this secret tick immune attack, right? The day the world shut down. (laughs) So I went into a quarantine because I didn't want to expose to my family. I didn't even want to expose to my cat. It was back in the day where we didn't know, you know, how it affect the animals. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was honestly, I don't want to go into it too much because as we've learned through talk therapy, right? Sometimes when you're talking about your traumas, it can trigger more trauma. So this is one of the reasons why embodiment practices like Tantra yoga is really helpful for trauma. Anyway, but what happened was first week, I was like, heck yeah, I get like this like space to myself. I can unwind. I have like all my, I'm doing my practice. I'm chanting. I'm 
drawing of my art in there. By week two, I'm like, mm, this is a little lonely. And the news is just, you know, about Italy, right? It just didn't stop. And so I'm like heightened fear. I'm still not even cuddling with my cat. Haven't seen my husband or daughter. They're just leaving food outside for me. By the third week, that's when that, you know, my immune system just couldn't beat that virus that was going around. And I was working with an acupuncturist on the phone with plants. And so we were trying all of these ways to help me beat this thing, but I was literally, I didn't think I was going to make it two times, two times. I actually kind of just held on to the sheets when I went to sleep, um, not being able to breathe. And so that was really scary. And I remember what held me through the night was my mantra. Anyway, when I came out of that experience, um, it was uh, fire season. So the fire started to hit apocalypse in California. And we had black skies, power outages, smoke. So I didn't get a reprieve. And um, yeah, and I, I basically, I didn't trust my practice anymore. And I didn't trust the plants. That is, you know, these are both, I would say my identity, like I've really formed a deep relationship in 20 years of practice to my safe haven. That's how I find um, you know, it's how I regulate myself. It's how I, I feel strong. It's how I connect all the things. And it was ripped from me. Um, so it's taken me a couple of years to come back from that experience and doing a lot of work on the scientific realm of things. So I've been really studying neuroscience, really studying psychotherapy, working with psychologists, psychotherapists, even scientists. And what has happened is I let go of everything, but it's all coming back. I was like, no, you know, it's, it's Tantra yoga has all of these aspects to it. You just didn't understand it in a way to apply it in the ways that you needed it at that time. And so from this really traumatic experience, I've been able to pull like, how can Tantra yoga be defined in a way that really meets the needs of the public where a lot of people are going through trauma and we will continue to have people going through trauma as well as we need really solid practices that empower people. It's another definition of Tantra. It's a science of power, right? It's really understanding right use of power. Even we need to have the good people power empowered, powered up. (laughs) Um, So, right. So we have these tools and techniques. And so what it boiled down to me being helpful for me with the same similar mind, I have a very scientific logical mind, but I came in as like, just, it feels right. It feels connected. I'm, I'm seeing incredible experiences, both for me and my students, but I was really more mystically oriented. I'm really interested in like the subtle realms. I have this, I'm tuned into being able to go really deep into subtle energy and like, and, and understanding the language for that, including in nature. Um, and there are reasons why for that, that I'll, I'll spare you, but that's my education and that's my background. Um, but what was happening is, um, by it all coming back, I realized Tantra Yoga meets it all. It meets that scientific, logically oriented mind as equally as it meets the spiritual, mystically oriented mind. We could see this as right brain, left brain people. Um, but then there's a third pillar where it's also helpful for people who are maybe not yogis, but really are interested and understand that there's a power and an intelligence in nature. They call it the Lumen Natura, the old alchemists. And that intelligence in nature is prana. It's what Tantra talks about in its mystical lens. 
And so I'm going to pause there. So, okay. <laughs> you know, it's so beautiful because, you know, that Tantra is there for those that have the analytical mind. It's there for those that are really connected in an esoteric way and really in that mystical, spiritual way. But it's also for those that have this deep connection to nature. And what's beautiful is that when you start doing the practices is that you might not realize it, but all three of those parts are being fed, even though you didn't realize that one, that there was a part of you that needed to be fed. Mm-hmm. And it provides that deep nourishment on all these different layers, because so often we tend to lean, oh, I'm just going to stay like I always am in nature, or I'm always kind of out there in the esoteric realm, or I'm always just in my analytical mind. But when the, you start doing the practices, it starts to feed those other parts of you and those other parts start to wake up. And then, I mean, this has been my experience and I'm like, oh, you know, I have been undernourished. And we had this conversation a couple of days ago, how I'm feeling undernourished again and what parts need to come in that need to be deeply fed. And so we have to go to break right now, but I want everyone to make sure that they come back because we're going to dive in a little bit more into how we can get really deeply nourished and what is deep nourishment actually mean it's not you know because we might have a huge perception we might not even realize how undernourished we are so we are speaking with brooke sullivan yoga therapist extraordinaire and we're here we'll be right back after this short break Women, are you tired of chasing after your dreams, exhausted and overwhelmed from trying so hard to have the perfect life? Do you yearn for more ease, freedom, and time to explore what is near and dear to your heart, yet have no idea how to stop pushing forward? Join your host, Lindsay McCowan, and others like you on a journey to awaken the divine feminine. When you awaken the divine feminine, you awaken parts of yourself that have been ignored, lay dormant, put on the back burners, or forgotten. When you fully ignite these aspects of yourself, you awaken your ability to thrive in all areas of your life, including relationships, finances, health, career, and purpose. You stop chasing after life and step into an easeful magnetic flow. You become the magnet that effortlessly attracts joy, love, space to play, abundance, and magic that illuminates your life. Does that sound like the future you? Go to lindsay.tv goddess to sign up today. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Women Thriving Unapologetically with Lindsay McCowan. Have a question for Lindsay or her guests? Want to share your story? Email Lindsay at thrivingunapologetically at gmail.com. That's thrivingunapologetically at gmail.com. Now back to the show. Here again is Lindsay. Welcome back, everyone, to Women Thriving Unapologetically. I'm here today with Brooke Sullivan, and we're talking all things Tantra. Well, not all things, because we wouldn't have time for that. But we are talking about what Tantra is, Tantra yoga. And we're going to dive into how this ancient wisdom can really help us get deeply nourished. And I think everyone out there could would probably raise their hand if I asked, you know, do you feel deeply nourished right now? And what does that even mean for you? What does it mean for you, Brooke, mm-hmm. to be deeply nourished? Yeah, I love that so much. Um, so 
deep deep nourishment for me means connection uh connection to self connection to others so relationship which is definitely a big piece of tantra is like building relationships nourishing relationships um but also connection to that formless love that i that's how i kind of envision it this formless love force <laughs> or waves of beauty and bliss which is the divine that intelligence of nature and beyond um yeah and so it kind of leads me into another focal point of tantra um if it's okay that i share this right now of course okay so this is i've started to work on this methodology called tantric herbalism and one of the pillars i would say the main pillar is on this tantric concept called pushti and pushti is the deepest nourishment at a cellular level the deepest connection at a cellular level and when we look like when we're not fed when we're undernourished it can look like we're thirsting for something or we are um, we have this unsatiable or insatiable hunger to maybe accomplish something or to acquire something and we're seeing this in dominant culture as greed and power over and manipulation and we can look if we were to look at a, a human being as potential as this like you know you were a baby once you were uh, you know loved you you are loved you're loved by someone you know and yet you maybe perhaps have turned into this thing that's really doing harm to society how the tantrics in this light of push you would look at it is you you have you're undernourished and so how can we as a community start to really make sure that all of our community members are being nourished that their needs are being met on a basic level and so if we were to boil this back down to or turn back to these three um methodologies of tantra yoga that i'm i'm pulling into our conversation right now or how i've oriented it if we were just to look at the physical body say and the physical body as we age it's deteriorating if it's not met with the right nutrition then systems stop operating um optimally we can look to the the first methodology this logical mind of what a practice does right And so a practice we'll say asana with the breath work is just a formula and the behind the scenes understanding of these formulas are if you are an anatomist or uh, really interested in an in anatomy and physiology you can understand that there is a really beneficial formulaic effect of doing certain practices over others like forward folds will help the body stretch the low back will help to um uh kind of open up the hamstrings you can feel a release there and it it releases ten- tension and stress in both the body and the mind um but as a tantric you start to learn in in yoga therapy you start to learn that we orient practices around the spine because the spine is that central column for awakening on a physiological level forward folds have a formulaic effect of decreasing stress they trigger the parasympathetic nervous system by triggering your vagus nerve right and there's all of this kind of yogic science around this works right and so there's a formula here as well as the there's a lot of science and a lot of neurologists are realizing this and 
um, psychologists are realizing that just exhaling longer than your inhalation helps to relieve us of our excess carbon dioxide, our metabolic waste, but it's also triggering to the parasympathetic nervous system, which helps us sleep, for example, relax. Um, you know, and then I can continue. There's all of these aspects of how asana is this therapeutic approach that meets the logical mind because it's results-based. Um, I'll share one last example. There's this um, kind of term called co-regulation in the psych psychological field. And this is based off of, um, this one is this Hebb's law, two neurons that fire together, wire together. Mm -hmm. And so what that means is if we're doing a daily practice and it's with a teacher or a guide, or even with a group, right? We are as a community or just with that one-on-one -on -one person, we are co-regulating our nervous system. So if I show up super stressed out and the person who is guiding us or the teacher is really anchored in their calm, in their tranquility, um, in their presence, that will naturally regulate me and our neurons will fire together. And here we have that idea of connection. We connect at a very deep level. We're connecting ourselves to our more tranquil, stable state of mind and body. And it connects us all as community. It's like, I see this as good community service, right? Keep your nervous system strong. Keep your, you know, um, your health as optimized as best as possible so that you can help co-regulate others around you. And there's tons of studies in science that's, that's about this. There's, it's basically in child, early childhood development is where a lot of this science come from, comes from. And you can look at, um, you know, just, I would spit out all the different names, but yeah, there's lots of science around this. And the, because uh, it comes back to that relationship. And like you start with a relationship to yourself and we as teachers always say this, you have to do the inner work and people get tired of hearing that, but hearing like what you're explaining here, if you do that, you're actually in that co-regulatory state where you're actually doing great service for yourself and great service for your community all at the same time. And you feel better. Yeah. Yeah. Love Just it. you in your practice. And it doesn't have to be an hour and a half long practice, 20 exactly. minutes. Yes. And let's say that again for everyone out there, because when I first started practicing yoga, I felt like it had to be an hour and a half and anything shorter. And, you know, if I wasn't sitting longer than 45 minutes of meditation, I wasn't really meditating or I wasn't really doing a practice. And unfortunately, I carried some of those thoughts and beliefs into when I became a teacher. And and um, and so it doesn't have to be that long if you can really understand the science of it, understand how the the energetics of it you can have actually a very short practice. And I love how you mentioned that these the Tantra practices go, are really around the structure of the spine because I didn't know that with my first teacher training. And then, you know, once I started doing the Tantra, I was like, oh, this is why I feel so different when I do these practices is because it's not about a standing pose or a seated posture or, you know, a prone or supine posture. It's really about how am I orienting myself around this main energetic channel at the spine and creating these amazing energetic effects. So it was kind of mind blowing for me. And then it helps with that right use of power. Like I'm starting to unlock power centers. How am I going to use this now? Mm -hmm. I want to land in on your 
mind blowing. But um, but first, I want to <laughs> I want to share. Um, you know, this is one aspect of nourishment. Just to tie it back to the question, yeah. right? So, um, if we are lacking in our ability to really feel safe, right? That's what that co-regulation does um, in our ability to relax or even sleep, right? We're getting nourishment just by doing the practices. Now you tapped into a, like a third, um, maybe we're even at fourth definition of Tantra now, which is uh, the energetics. And you talked about being mind blown by, you know, if a practice is oriented around the spine, which Tantra really, our Tantra yoga of the Himalayan tradition, it's dedicated towards, um, then we're starting to lean into now that mind blowing of the analytical, <laughs> logical, let's get into the right hemisphere of the brain. Let's look to the people and the aspects within us that crave the magical, that crave the mystical, or are already tapped in in that way. We can get nourished by recognizing that it's all energy or prana which is what Tantra is a science of. It's a science of energy. So I really want to be very clear for those of you who are really curious about the mystical and the magical, or you are really attracted to vibrational energies or energy medicine, Tantra is a science of it, period. (laughs) Um, And Shakti, Shakti is power. So we have Prana and Shakti. Prana Shakti is the awakened intelligence of power and that's mother nature. So that brings us to that third element. Um, But I just wanted to share when we are now say we're looking to Tantra yoga to meet the need of that aspect of ourselves because we're undernourished there, or we just want to feed it right now we're looking more at what is specifically Tantra Kundalini yoga is specifically Tantra. And I'm not talking Yogi Bhajan Kundalini. That's one branded version of a system, an ancient system that awakens the dormancy within us. And that dormancy is our full potential. It's that thriving unapologetically, unimpeded, unshakable, right? With complete faith. It's the God self within, meaning the God self or unself or formless all around. And so that system, the methodology, it's based on the chakras. So people are really familiar with the chakras. That is called Kundalini Yoga. We have another system called Sandhya Yoga, and this is even more occulted. It's more hidden. It's more esoteric in Tantra. And I love this one um, because I understand it. When I learned this, I was like, oh, this makes complete sense to me. Um, But it's Sandhya is based off of the liminal times of dawn and dusk. And it just means that um, like the twilight hours. And so what it is, is it's an oral tradition passed down through teacher to student. You can't find this in the books. Um, You can, but it's so codified that it's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) Um, But the, this esoteric language is a way of being able to work with energy and systematize a practice that gets you into that, like into the really deeper, deeper hidden aspects of yourself. So why you think the thoughts you do, why you have the conditionings that you do. So it goes into the deeper realms. And I would also say the deeper realms of earth. So if we're working with connecting to nature, it's a system based on energy that connects us to, we would say, uh, the deeper reality, right? Which I believe is incredibly sacred and holy. And when we learn how to, to access that and to understand that, we're no longer afraid of that. And that's really deeply nourishing as equally as 
that same, those same practices can bring us into what's called higher reality, right? So we have that term higher reality, which is most of what classical yoga talks about. But that higher reality can be disengaging and disassociating. It can transcend mind and transcend body in a way that we're not really connected to nature anymore. We're not really connected to our habits and patterns. And Tantra is like, nah, we need to have the tools to deal with the mess. Like one of our goddesses is called Matangi, and she is the goddess of the compost heap. <laughs> like we need the compost. Yeah thrive we need the mycelium to thrive and when we aren't connecting to that even as spiritual seekers we are undernourished and that is one of the things that i learned in my trauma experience right was i was still not diving deep into those shadowy broken parts for me was trauma that started at an early age age two right so how do you know it's not like in your conscious awareness but the practice of Sandhya yoga and the logical mind, just the formulas, they all just, they're just formulas. They work. It then brings you into that deeper realm of deeper reality, connects you, connects you, connects you, connects the nervous system and all the synapses and into higher reality where now you can go into bliss. You can move into that third eye kind of um, pineal gland, this amrit honeyed wave. Mm. The honeyed wave. I mean, that just makes my whole body light up when you say the honeyed wave. And I definitely want to come back to that. But I was just thinking when you were talking about how doing these practices that really get down deep into that compost heap and really being able to have the practices that help us work through all the mess that's there. Like we need that because you can actually do practices that make you, you know, give you a, a, a more enlightened state. I'm not going to say full enlightenment, but, you know, that and, and yet you might not have dealt with what's down there and the compost and that that doesn't leave us in a very grounded place. And it can actually lead us to do things that might be amoral or, you know, or immoral. I don't know what is is that the same thing? A moral, immoral? <laughs> I want to give me a dictionary. I'll say, yeah. Let's, let's go <laughs> Sometimes I make up words. I do too. We're going to have fun together. <laughs> yeah. And so, but it's, so it's important to not overlook them of going down there into the compost pile and just having and, and cleaning that up and learning from it and letting that be the rich, fertile void and soils where you can start to become nourished because until you clean that up, then it's just a compost pile and it's just icky. Um, and so, and then really just bringing in that element of, okay, earth, like how can we reconnect to nature and get the nourishment from her? And it's not just through food, but through, so I want to talk about that when we come back from break. Is that okay with you, Brooke? I think that's a perfect place okay. to wrap up. Okay. So for those of you listening, please don't go anywhere. We're having an incredible conversation with Brooke Sullivan. And during this break, if you like, you can run over, run over, or just go over. <laughs> you can't run over to my website, but you can look it up because doors are now open for the Awaken the Divine Feminine program where you can discover your power and find your voice and claim your space through these sacred practices and through the goddess archetype. So if you want to learn more, go over there. My website is lindsaymccowan.com and we'll be right back after this short break. 
Women, are you tired of chasing after your dreams? Exhausted and overwhelmed from trying so hard to have the perfect life? Do you yearn for more ease, freedom, and time to explore what is near and dear to your heart, yet have no idea how to stop pushing forward? Join your host, Lindsay McCowan, and others like you on a journey to awaken the divine feminine. When you awaken the divine feminine, you awaken parts of yourself that have been ignored, lay dormant, put on the back burners, or forgotten. When you fully ignite these aspects of yourself, you awaken your ability to thrive in all areas of your life, including relationships, finances, health, career, and purpose. You stop chasing after life and step into an easeful, magnetic flow. You become the magnet that effortlessly attracts joy, love, space to play, abundance, and magic that illuminates your life. Does that sound like the future you? Go to lindsay.tv slash goddess to sign up today. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You're listening to Women Thriving Unapologetically with Lindsay McCowan. Have a question for Lindsay or her guests? Want to share your story? Email Lindsay at thrivingunapologetically at gmail.com. That's thrivingunapologetically at gmail.com. Now back to the show. Here again is Lindsay. Welcome back, everyone, to Women Thriving Unapologetically. We're here with Brooke Sullivan, and we are talking about getting deeply nourished through Tantra yoga practices. So we're going to dive back right back in because we left talking about the three pillars um, of how to get deeply nourished, and we're on pillar number three. Mm. Yeah, this is like my the topic most close to my heart. I guess all of them are because I love Tantra, all things Tantra. So the third pillar, and I'll just recap the first two, and we're kind of uh, looking at Tantra as a methodology of practice that can meet us as we meet the world and lead us to better connection, better relationships to others and ourselves, as well as to deep nourishment and also, if we're really practicing, lead us to this idea of connection to bliss, inspiration, that is called the honeyed wave in the Rig Veda. And so the first pillar was logical orientation of results-based practices that is firmly rooted in science. And I'm talking from neurology to psychotherapy to um, you know, anatomy, all the things. And then we have the second, which is more spiritual, mystical oriented. And this is Kundalini yoga approach, as well as something called Sandhya yoga approach. And that's the twilight language of the sages. The third is this nature orientation. Tantra is a philosophy or a worldview that believes that we're all connected. We, we are a, a, in one, we are one web of being. And when you pull one thread or one thread breaks, the rest of the web is weak. And so when we have a whole society that is really broken or not thriving, then the web can't be healthy. It can't be viable. And so there's this approach of tending to the inner world in a way that it can affect and beautify and strengthen our outer world. It's also the macrocosm meeting the microcosm 
um, cleaning up the planet, doing, you know, river cleanups, cleaning up pollution, making sure that you're recycling, uh, tending to community and, and volunteering, things like that, this tending to the external world that can nourish your inner world. And so that's kind of the, the, the basic of macrocosm, microcosm worldview that Tantra offers. Now, one of the foundations of Tantra, though, is largely rooted in Ayurveda. And um, Ayurveda, yoga, and Tantra all share the same philosophical backbone called Sankhya Yoga. And in this philosophy, it's based off of five-element theory. So five elements are, as you know, earth, fire, water, air, and ether. When you learn Ayurveda, you learn that these elements are also connected to our senses, smelling, tasting, touching, hearing, and seeing. Um, And so when you are a yoga therapist or an Ayurvedic practitioner, you start to learn how to work with the elements and our senses in a way that becomes a connecting, healing, formulaic results-based practice, where if you, for example, are um, needing more sleep, you're ungrounded, you're kind of all over the place, you're constantly on the computer, you can start to work with the earth element and bring in more root vegetables, um, really filling your feet on the bare earth, maybe even putting jadamamsi or some kind of lavender oil on your feet before you go to sleep. So sleep. So it's this um, earth element connection, these practices that ground you and create balance. So it's deeply nourishing on that level. In the tantric perspective, you have that scientific approach, but you also have the energetic approach, the mystical, the um, that which can touch into deeper and deeper and deeper realms, as well as higher, more exalted, <laughs> more expansive realms. And this is based off of what kind of plant you're working with, Some plants have an affinity towards the physical body, such as digestives work on digestion, nervines work on the nervous system. But then you also have certain plants that might work more on the subtle body, such as your energetic seats that Ayurveda calls and yoga calls the vayus, as well as maybe even um, more on your emotional level or mental level. And one of the um, like uh, modalities or therapeutic tools plant-wise is flower essence therapy or even homeopathy. So you work with energy medicine to affect the more subtle realm. So flower essences are, you know, the whole domain is working on psycho-spiritual imbalances and balancing them so that you are thriving, so that the basically to use tantric terms, the prana is flowing smoothly so that the health of the body can be strong and you're meeting your part of the work in the world. You're, you're, in, you're in alignment to that beautiful cosmic web. <laughs> and when we're not in that alignment, that's when we're suffering. So a lot of people don't realize that their disconnection from nature, their, you know, too much technology being um, indoors all the time, not getting outside, uh, never walking barefoot, being afraid of uh, eating the apples off of a tree, you know, that kind of thing. It's actually deeply malnourishing. Mm. 
And so when we can have a guide, like an herbalist or an herbal clinician or a tantric herbalist guide us, or even a naturalist or someone that's, you know, a botanist, somebody that we can feel safe with that can bring us out into nature and start to connect us. We are working with an incredible power, a huge power of support. And the more we do that, not only are we supported, but we learn how to love nature and we learn how to respect nature. And that is absolutely needed for us to thrive, for our communities to thrive, and for our planet to thrive. I love that because it's, I think we just get so busy in our lives and so just buried in the chaos and the tech that we've lost this connection to nature. And when we've lost that connection, we don't remember how important it is until you start to bring it back in. And it's, you know, it's like, I use this analogy when we talked um, on Saturday is that of the, the starving vampire. And sometimes some people, when I first met my partner, she, before we were even dating, she was, she described me as a starving vampire because there was something that was not quite nourishing me that we couldn't name. And so, and this is, I feel like this is how a lot of us feel. There's like, we feel deeply undernourished in some way, but we can't name what it is because we're so far removed from it. And then when you start to bring it back in, it's just like, oh, you start to feel fed a little bit or a lot of it. And and suddenly the lights go off or I'll come back on, I should say. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I love how you, what you mentioned is that when we are not aligned with nature, that's when we suffer. That's when we suffer. And so, and then when we become realigned with that, then we become deeply nourished. We start to have more respect for nature and for each other because it's all connected. So thank you for sharing, sharing that because it just really resonates very much with me. And I'm sure it does with a lot of the women that are listening to this show. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for sharing that, um, your clarity around it and kind of like the, how the practice is informing you and giving you deeper insights. And I really feel that what you shared, I want to just remind people that it's not easy. You know, like when we're meeting these aspects of ourselves that have been long lost and forgotten or have been completely shunned and shamed and not allowed, right? Which is a lot of what's going on right now. It's really uncomfortable to look at that part of yourself. The beauty of Tantra is it's like everything is sacred, (laughs) you know, like the mess and the beauty is all sacred, which can be really hard to understand in the moment. Um, We did have one Facebook question, which was um, how I think it was a Facebook question somewhere. Someone asked, are these traumas necessary for us to learn? I put that in there. Put it in there. Okay. I put that in there in response to Inga, uh, Inga's comment. Like, do we have to go through the suffering? Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm sorry. I didn't, I just interrupted you. Can you say that again? So it's clear. So is it, do we need to go through the suffering and the challenges in order to, you know, reclaim these parts of ourselves or to, to really wake up to what is deeply nourishing and what is important? Yeah. And I would say, throw the word need out the window. It's just happening, you know, like whether or not we want it, we need it. Um, that's, that's kind of in the realms of the mystery. It's happening to some, it's not happening to others. We learn through our own experiences, as well as we equally learn through the people that we love 
and we're connected with. So I think the more we connect with other people and the more we're really presencing and paying attention, the less we have to go down the same path they did. You know, like I see you, that was messy. I'm not going to do that thing. (laughs) But then there's this, um, I'm avoiding this part of myself. And there's a teaching in Tantra, it's from the Hatha Yoga Pratipika called the three fires, where it's a spiritual uh, fire, an environmental fire, and a physical fire. If you don't do the work to meet that part of yourself, to align, to live in your dharma, right? Dharma is aligned living with nature and what what you're meant to be, um, like really who you're meant to be in this world. It's not always work, right? It's not always career path. It's just aligning to like yourself (laughs) so you can really be real and authentic. Um, But when you're not doing that, life will teach you you know, and it'll be environmental like fires. It'll be spiritual like cancer. It'll be, um, or excuse me, like, yeah, spiritual, like a death or cancer could be a spiritual experience, but it could also be physical like COVID, right? Near-death experiences. Um, so I want to take you through, uh, like really kind of land this, these teachings home. Is this okay? Can I yeah, we have only a couple minutes left, so let's do that and make sure we have time so everyone can know where to find you. Okay. Well, this, okay. So I think I can do this together. Um, so uh, October 14th through 17th, it's coming up. I'm teaching at Kripalu Yoga Meditation Center in the Berkshires. And what I'm teaching is really based off of these three things. So it's um, it's nature and alchemy for the mind based off of the lunar practices of that kind of second modality technique, that mystical technique of Sandhya Yoga. And so my approach is this, we're going to start with where people are at. People know asana here at a yoga center. So we're going to actually do practices that are oriented towards the mind and the moon because it's a lunar practice. So what that means is forward folds, um, relaxing the parasympathetic, you know, getting into the parasympathetic nervous system, strengthening vagal tone, co-regulation, all of those formulaic things that make sure we're sleeping well, make sure that the body is not stressed. And I'm going to teach a number of different formulas through the asana of tantra yoga and how to do that along with a mantra that's going to be geared towards the mind, right? Um, Then we move into the more mystical part of the practice. And this is the lunar teaching. Like, what does that mean? So the mind is in many cultures and in this specific system is representative of the moon, just like the sun is the symbol of the soul, right? So when we have lunar practices, we are looking towards being able to shift our mindset, to see differently, to shift our perspectives. And there are techniques that we can do to do that, as well as we can get into the subtler, more subtler realms to start to see where we are holding on to old patterns and release them. The third, yeah, the third piece is the nature piece where Kripalu has like hundreds of trails. So we're going to go out and actually meet, meditate with the plants and work with the plants to augment that physical formulaic practice and this more esoteric lunar approach with specific nervines and like nervous system and mind plants, right? Um, To get in deeper, to get in more subtle 
in a way that then starts to tap people into that. Oh, I feel the flow. I feel this connection to that inspiration inside of me, that presence that knows, okay, I'm holding on to this thought, that pattern. This is the block. I'm going to start opening up those pathways. And in- so I love all of this because, I mean, we're, we're right at the end of the show and we can continue this conversation in the and the Women Thriving Unapologetically Facebook group, if you want to jump over there. But it's just bringing it all together so it becomes this very embodied experience so that you feel it and you know it once you can feel it. And so I love how you tie all of those pieces together. And I know that this is on your website, uh, thewildtemple.com. Did I get that right? Yeah, thewildtemple.com. So definitely go to Brooke's website because it's beautiful and all of her stuff is there. And she has a lot of other things coming up, including some classes that are hybrid online um, because she's based out of Asheville, North Carolina. So if you're there, you can go drop in her class or you can practice with her online because it's remarkable to be able to experience these practices because it is a very unique and special way of practicing yoga and yoga philosophy and just diving deeply into the practices that can really awaken you in a beautiful way. And so we're going to go over to the Women Thriving Unapologetically Facebook group to continue the conversation. And thank you so much, Brooke, for being here today and just feeding me. This has fed me so much. So I appreciate that. And for all of you that are listening, just know that we are here every Thursday, 10 a.m. Eastern, uh, 7 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. And everything is on demand as well on all your favorite podcast sites. And if you do want to watch behind the scenes, be sure to join the Women Thriving Unapologetic Facebook group where we will be after every show with our guests. So until next time, many blessings, my friends. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Women Thriving Unapologetically. We hope we've inspired you to claim your birthright to thrive. Tune in next week where we will continue to give you the tools you need to flourish, prosper, and thrive. Until then, have a beautiful week.